Hi guys, welcome back to Memnoir, a podcast all about the experiences of black students who go abroad. In this episode, I am joined by Salima. Please introduce yourself, what you studied, what you're currently doing and where you went on your year abroad. Hi, I'm Salima. Um, I studied French and Arabic at Oxford University. At the moment, I'm still on the job hunt, but I am, what am I doing? I'm, I've been working in retail, I've been nannying and tutoring. And I did my year abroad in Jordan, which is in the Middle East. Or anyone who doesn't know why did you choose Jordan like what was the thought what was the thought process behind it like so I didn't actually choose Jordan it was kind of one of those things that um was just handed to me um you know so uh, at the time so my year abroad was like the academic year of 2016 and 2017 and at that time the uni for to study Arabic there the uni only had um like a strong link to Jordan because the other like Arab countries that they would send their students to previously were either like physically unstable or like maybe broke out in war any kind of thing like that so at that time it was just Jordan that was available so literally had no choice it was if you did Arabic in that year you're going there so yeah no choice I just had to kind of once I um applied for the uni and that subject I knew that that would be where I would be going on my year abroad Mm, cool and so like what was the did you have any concerns before going like obviously you had no choice right but did you have any worries or any like I don't know preconceptions I didn't I actually just didn't know anything about the region um but I was excited to live in a different country um the one thing I was I think concerned about was that I didn't know I started Arabic from begin from a beginner when I started university so I I knew that I wouldn't be able to communicate very well when I went there. And that was a concern for me. I was like, what, you know, what if I need something? How will I communicate that? Um, Is Google Translate going to have to help me? Like, how's this going to work? So I think, yeah, that was my main concern. But it was mainly positive, positive feelings towards going, Mm. really. That's sick. And so when you first landed there, or actually, let's go back a bit. How was, how was it like sorting out accommodation? Like, did you, did the university help you with that? Um, So, oh yeah, so when we had signed up to, to to study Arabic stuff we knew that when if you went to Jordan you had a choice of two places to study so there were two Arabic institutions um, that you could choose from and the one that I had chosen came with accommodation mm-hmm. so I knew that I could um, live in their accommodation everything was well sorted it was a bit expensive and I didn't feel like I would get my money's worth by going there so the other students from my year group who were also going out to Jordan we broke up into like small groups and so we lived with each other um and that was a real test because we didn't know each other very well it was like my second start of my second year that we went so we barely knew each other and um it was like we were trying to yeah find somewhere to live in a country that we didn't know we didn't really know each other and it was kind of like how's this going to work but we managed to I think we spoke to some students that had gone there the year before us and they had a link to someone who knew that there was a flat going by uh, that was free. And so, um, yeah, free? we just hopped on that. Not free, sorry. As in, it was available. Oh, okay, I was about to say. <laughs> no, 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 we had to pay. <laughs> we had to pay. Um, yeah, no, it was available at that time. So, um, mm. yeah, we, we literally jumped on that as soon as we could. Was it expensive? Like, how, how expensive mm. is it in Jordan? So, um, this was... This was <laughs> This was a funny time because I think that was that year they had just announced that like Brexit was going to happen and then all this stuff. I don't know too much about finances and stuff, but I had something to do with the pound. Like the pound started like fluctuating in its value. Um, so as maybe the year before we went there, it was like you'd get a lot of 
and money for your pound for your dinner. Um, after we went, I think it started to kind of fluctuate a bit more, but it was pretty much like equal like a Jordanian dinner was equal to like a, a, a British pound um and so the accommodation there I think um because there was four of us that shared a flat and I, I remember paying um I think maybe like 200 and 200 200 dinars maybe it was a while ago now I think maybe 200 a month cheap, yes but we realized that we were in a, a quite a, a wealthy area when we first went out there. It was the expat area where all of the embassies are and stuff and all these really like bougie restaurants. And so we had to like travel into where our language center was. And, and we realized that actually we could be saving a lot more money if we moved to a cheaper area. Not one that's particularly run down or anything, but um, just away from this, that, that kind of expat area. Um, and we eventually did that the following term um we moved somewhere that was a lot cheaper and we paid like I would say almost like 100 dinars less and for a really lovely apartment as well but we had to like learn the city a bit better and know where to look yeah because that could be dangerous because you could be ended up like in mm-hmm. a dodgy area and that was my concern and I think like as well being like a woman a single woman by yourself going to like the Middle East and stuff you have I think you you think a lot more about like your safety and like what will happen once you're there and especially my parents like I didn't want to give them any kind of cause for concern so when it came to accommodation I wanted to have that like sorted and make sure that they knew that I was going to be somewhere safe so I didn't just want to go to any old area just because it was cheap I wanted to make sure that I actually know like this is somewhere I can genuinely live that we feel safe if I have to come back at night you know anything can happen true exactly and so like okay calm so you got there now what, what were your first impressions like I got there at night, so that's always a, a kind of a weird experience. You don't really see what the place is like at night. Um, it looks very, like, the, <laughs> I remember the roads just looking very, like, dusty, like, kind of deserty. <laughs> but that was just the road, I guess, from the airport to um, the capital. Um, and so then when, like, it was daytime, um, we kind of went for a walk and looked around. Um and again, the area I lived in was quite built up. So it just looked like, I don't know, a warmer metropolitan area. I don't know how better to describe it, but it didn't, there wasn't anything particularly um, surprising except for they didn't speak English. Um, so it wasn't too big of an adjustment um, initially. Um, but there was other things I think were surprising. So they have like um, water tanks and you have a certain amount of water that... Um, is like stored above your apartment in these tanks and so if you run out of water before they come and refill it I think you have to pay to get someone to come and refill it so we have to be very careful about like how much water we're using to like wash up or um like even just flushing the toilet like you forget that like that requires water um so all these things that was that was what I kind of had to adjust to mad okay that's okay that sounds so different to like my experience because <laughs> I was in okay. I went to yeah because I went to um Geneva and Madrid so obviously European country like cities da, 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 so but I've heard stuff. some stuff about Spain and I want to talk about that <laughs> I want to talk about mm, what that what that was like for you yeah so I know you're interviewing me but I always have questions <laughs> now answer <laughs> the questions <laughs> no because Spain I think what I've heard about countries like Spain or even Italy and maybe come from like you know when footballers are playing black footballers are out there playing and you know that people say that they're, they're racially abused in the streets and stuff did you find that, that that was your experience 
Like, and did you go there knowing that that was something that potentially happened? You know what? Yeah, I feel like I'm the type of person to like prepare for the worst. So in my head, that okay. was like, I, I had like, okay, cool. That could happen. Mm. But when I got there, I'm not going to lie. Like street, like walking down the street, someone says something to you, that didn't happen to be like, thank, thank God. Good. But um, yeah, honestly. <laughs> when it comes to like uh, microaggressions, comments maybe from teachers, from other people's oh. stares and looks, that stuff I did get. Like that was, that was worse to when it's like someone walking down the street and saying something to me, it's like, I'm going to ignore them. But if it's from if it's from teachers, like I had one of my teachers. Um, okay, let me because I, I have said this in another podcast here, but I realize sometimes I feel like I'm generalizing. There. <laughs> but like, no, it's okay, it's okay. You no, know, because like, so ninety percent of teachers that I were taught by were decent, were nice people. Especially I had one teacher who was Iranian actually, and he was teaching uh, history of cinema, which was a such an interesting class. And it was taught by two lecturers, the Iranian guy and then like a Spanish guy amazing lecturers when I was like walking around campus that radian would always stop me and be like hi how's everything going da, da, da. extremely friendly yeah very very friendly but one of the teachers I had was an absolute witch she was the devil incarnated <laughs> reincarnated she was okay, something okay. else she like was actively Islamophobic actively racist and she was studying she was teaching the course that I was looking forward to the most which was the worst uh, thing I know she yikes, was yikes. the course that she was teaching was like literature basically and I love literature so it was like mm. basically let's say it was like contemporary literature like feminist literature a bit of race that kind of stuff but yeah that's my experience of like <laughs> it was it wasn't like it wasn't on the streets and stuff I'm not gonna like most I would say like a lot of Spanish people are quite friendly like especially when you're trying to speak mm. their language and like they're very much smiley like I remember one time I went to this post office my sister tried to send me uh, like books and whatnot but she basically she, she messed up with it a little bit like the the, um, <laughs> the address was wrong and anyway okay, so I was okay. like I had to keep going back and forth to the post office and I went one time and I went without my landlady um because my landlady was super friendly so she normally went with me but this one time she wasn't there and I went to the post office and the guy and I, I was asking I started speaking and then I was like oh, I was getting frustrated myself because I was like I'm so nervous I'm not trying I'm not like what I'm I trying know, to say I like know the out. feeling yeah so and then he was like no 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 and I was like oh do you speak English he was like no 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 listen you're doing so well keep going and he was proper encouraging oh. me to speak yeah so there was like a mixed mixture of people you have people who are yeah exactly and I feel like the same with like I'm sure people who come to London will have a similar experience. People who are actively friendly mm. and nice and people who mm. are, like, just very ignorant, very just, like, they hate you without you even saying anything. Like, exactly. my presence yeah, was yeah, disliked yeah. without even... Me- I didn't say a word and she didn't like me. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, what can you do? <laughs> exactly. Honestly, like, with those ones, and it's sometimes it's hard to not take it personally, but then you realise that there was literally... You didn't even open your mouth. There was nothing you could have said that would have helped it. Like, they already had that opinion of you. Mm. And that's it. 100% exactly so okay calm so now you ask me what's mm-hmm. your what was your experience like when you got there like in terms of did you feel straight away like all oh, right I feel out of place or do you feel like okay you know what because obviously it's a Muslim country mm. how was it like for you I think um I, I I one I have multiple identities in general just as a person so I'm kind of used to being different like not the same as my surroundings um and that was, I think, the case going to somewhere like Oxford. Like, I knew that, like, I'm not going to see anyone like me. Um, yeah, so then going to Jordan, I, I guess that's kind of why when I went, I, I wasn't particularly worried or concerned. Because I was like, I've kind of done it with, like, rich white people. Like, I can do it anywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that was being um, hard, you know? It was, um, it was definitely a challenge. Mm. Um, but again, I knew what I was walking into when I applied. I knew that it, it wasn't going to be like, I'm from Hackney. So I knew it was going to be like Hackney. Like, it's not going to be a diverse area. Like, I knew kind of what I was walking into. Um, but you do meet genuine people who who want to be your friend. 
for who you are and who you actually get on with and who you can actually talk to um like on the level like even if they're from other places like yeah that was and that that was lovely and I would say that um when it comes to Jordan um you're, you're definitely like people will look at you in the street of course um but I kind of had a small advantage in that they just assumed that I was like from Sudan or something yeah so they would see me and like if they saw like some of the other people that I went out with who were like white blonde hair whatever um they would go to them and like try and kind of do some kind of broken English to them but they would come to me and they would immediately start with Arabic um <laughs> and so <laughs> that was a bit overwhelming isn't it <laughs> yeah I was like I don't know nothing <laughs> I couldn't give salams like so yeah there was that kind of advantage I guess the advantage of being Muslim um, and that side of my life the Islamic side became way easier there are mosques in every corner everything's halal like that was a dream that was that was absolute dream that was that was great that was lovely finding clothes that were like modest if you like again it's, it's everywhere like that wasn't difficult but of course you do get people that will make comments in the street and I'd say when I first went out there I didn't I didn't understand what the comments were I didn't know what they were saying guys would shout stuff out of their cars and we just assumed it was like them just harassing women like catcalling um we didn't know what they were saying and it wasn't until like later where like like months later where we've actually now started to understand and communicate better that we like could understand the words that they were saying so they'd be like I don't know they shout like I don't know hey black girl like come over here like that those like but it wasn't I don't know to them they're like it was almost like being fetishized like yeah that was the kind of vibe you got yeah and I think there were a couple of negative experiences I had like so for one time I I was coming back from our, our language institute and um, you have to get a cab and that time of day was like rush hour so it always take ages to get a cab and we lived kind of far from the institute so um, some cabs would just like refuse to take you there or charge you so I finally found one cab and I remember I had a headache that day it was like a pounding headache and I just wanted to go home um, and not really have to speak to the taxi driver I sit down now and the cab driver's like starts speaking to me and I'm like oh here we go and I just thought it's going to be general general chit chat as they do like where are you from blah 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 and this man, start, he did all that. And then he started saying like, oh, I like black girls. <laughs> <laughs> and he's looking into, you know, the, the front mirror. Yeah. He's looking oh, in that, that central mirror. He's looking in that. And it's like he's peering down into my soul. <laughs> and my head's pounding. I'm just like, oh, just get me home. But I knew there was like another half an hour to, before I was going to even reach home. And the main oh, roads there were like our equivalent of A roads. So I was just like, I don't know like how I'm going to escape from this. Like, oh. And this man says to me now, like, oh, are you married? Now, we all were told to wear wedding rings when we went over there. To oh, avoid the this kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were told, like, by some of the previous students, like, wear a wedding ring or, like, a ring on your on your ring finger um, and to, like, avoid any kind of... Um, unwanted. Like, unwanted attention, yeah. And I'd say, like, it, it didn't really help. Like, they're nah. still going to ask and they're still going to assume that you're lying. Um, they might be sometimes. But, yeah, and... I would normally say yes if they asked me that. And this time, I guess because I wasn't feeling well, I just said no. And then when I said it, I was like, Selima, why? <laughs> this man said, oh, okay, marry me then. And I was just like, oh, but here we go. And that wasn't even like the issue. It was then he was being very persistent and kept questioning why I was saying no. And he was like, no, like why? And then it became very, um, that's when the creepiness started. And now I'm like, I need to get out. I don't feel well, what do I do? And I, my language, my Arabic wasn't where it needed to be, to where I could either cuss him out or whatever. Like I just, but 
it wasn't there. And I, we got to like a red light and I had to like jump out and run out of the cab. And I didn't know where I was, but I remember just having to run, run and go down roads so that he couldn't follow me. And I think that was the one time like I felt like I was in genuine danger what out the there. And, but it was, it was mad. And that's the kind of festivization I was talking about, like that kind of thing, like, oh, black girl come like I like black girls I like your skin don't worry like I like so weird um but yeah that's probably the most negative experience I had out there um so yeah that's I ran so I eventually found a cab it was it was um was he following you by the way he started to follow me in his car which is why okay. I had to start running down different side roads which was even a risk because I didn't know the areas I was, I was in but all I knew was I had to get away and I had to try and go down roads that I knew that he couldn't turn down or like, you know, like one way roads, whatever. And like when those things happen, you kind of wish that you're going to be like in top form. But me, I was I was sick. I had a headache. My head was spinning. I just I didn't feel great. But, you know, you have to you have to get out of there kind of thing. But yeah, aside from that, I think it was I, I was because when you mentioned teachers, I had amazing, amazing, amazing teachers who made our life out there is so much easier mm. um and they refused to speak any English some of them could speak English some of them couldn't but they just refused straight up from the start to speak to, uh, you know speaking English which is so good for us it meant that we actually like learn um like you're thrown into the deep end mm. and um they any kind of issue we'd have like for example if I had that issue in the cab I'd come back the next day and tell them what happened as best as I could and they will then go on the board and teach us a couple of lines that we could have said back to the driver like oh, wow. it were really yeah they <laughs> they were <laughs> they were proper on it like when we first got out there like taking cabs is a very normal way of, of getting around not particularly expensive um and so they we didn't know how to say basic things like turn left go straight whatever sometimes you have to direct them and they they we had a whole lesson on how to get around buses well, and and it was so 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 good because it was one of those things that like Typically, you just kind of have to figure out yourself. Um, but they literally walked us through it, and it was it was it was great. You know what? Um, is? Really As I'm speaking, yeah, you're proper reminding mm-hmm. me of um, you're proper reminding me of when I went to Saudi because my my grandma lives in Saudi. Okay. And uh, I don't know, like we ha- we just we had to learn like well, I, don't know, I can't remember if my auntie was the one who taught, taught us it, but anyway, we mm-hmm. we learned like how to say like how to get home basically. So whenever like okay, I remember, nice. I just remember saying. Jambul Tell me now if I know what that uh, means. I have no clue. <laughs> but you know the lyrics, so that's what <laughs> That's it. That's all I need to know. And then they'll be like, okay, cool. And they'll take us. But nah, this yeah. is this is I feel like when you go to like Middle Eastern countries, it's like there's a completely different experience. It's not the same as European countries. Like it's very different. Exactly. Like even like things like road names. They don't you think they know road names? They don't know road names. They know landmarks. So if you need to get anywhere, you tell them the closest landmark. And then I remember us going out there and be like, how do we know what a landmark is? And eventually, like, you learn, like, it might be the nearest supermarket or, like, a popular restaurant. Um, but I remember, like, having to, like, learn my address of, like, our new accommodation that we moved to in, in our second term. And getting to a cab and giving them that name. And they, like, turned back and was like, no, we don't do that here. Oh, what do you <laughs> like, mean? your street might, as in, your street has a name, but we don't really use street oh. names to, to get by. Um, yeah, they you give them a landmark, and then when you get to that landmark, then you start to direct them to like where you need to go. Um, and that was a whole new system. Um, I think they had just like Uber was something that was fairly new in the in uh, in Jordan at that time, and I think they had like another um, app. I think it was called Kareem or something. Um, so if you got one of those, but they weren't they weren't te- technically allowed to be in the city at that time. Like, they didn't have like the license so it was kind of like a, a secret thing so if you ordered one of those then they you they know where you're going so you don't have to direct them 
But um, typically, yeah, if you take a cab off the street, you um, you have to give a line mark. And yeah, adjusting to that was was um, it took a, it took a while. But yeah, you get there in the end. Mm, um, that's but, uh, a, that's that sounds pretty interesting, honestly. Like, and so okay, if you were to look at your whole time there, how would you describe it as? A true learning experience. <laughs> no, like, but as in, I there was so much summer learning that happened. One, I think, um, this was like my second year of living living away from home. The first year was when I was in at, at uni, and this was oh, my yeah. second year at uni, but completely away. And I never lived abroad before, so I think I learned a lot about myself and what I'm comfortable with, just like as a, as a person. Obviously, I was there to learn Arabic, um, so there was a lot of that language learning happening. And then just like learning about how people operate and and finding like different ways to like get to know people, which was harder than harder than I expected it to be. But yeah, d- definitely a positive experience. Like overall, like mad, mad positive. And I really enjoyed it. Did you go to Jordan the whole time or did you go because you studied French as well, right? Um, yeah. So I was in Jordan for until I think maybe June. And then I spent a month in Paris um, just because the way the course was structured, they expected you to do like your European language, which you would have already had knowledge of. They expect you to do that, like, in the following summers. Um, like, yeah. So majority of my time was in Jordan, yeah. How was it, like, for you meeting people making friends? Like, how was that process like? Um, so similar to you, I'd, I, there was, uh, I'd gone out to Jordan with people that were on my course doing Arabic. So there was a very small cohort of students studying Arabic. Um, oh, so, so there was, I think it was literally, like, 12 of us that fired off, but 10 of us went um, on our year abroad um, I think it was 10 and um, so amongst the 10 we kind of split into smaller groups and so the four the or three others that I was living with were the ones that I became friends with um, and so we didn't know each other very well when we went out um, to Jordan but when you're living with people like you learn like who they are like who they truly are honestly and I, I remember my mum saying that like even with the friends that you have now like from home you you really learn who they are when you go abroad with them and that can really make or break some friendship so it was a bit mad to be like living with people who actually just didn't know very well in this this new new place but like you said like you need to really make friends with locals or the natives there if you really want to learn the language and so that was like a really important thing for me one of the best pieces of advice I had from a student who'd previously gone on their year abroad uh, to Jordan was find a hobby that you like doing like like at home in UK and join join that in Jordan so I do karate here and at the time I was doing fencing as well so before I went to Jordan I searched up to see if they had karate available um, in the capital and fencing as well and they had both and they had um really well developed fencing center that I would go to and and the karate was like the same like association as the karate I I went to um in the UK so I had called up before I went to Jordan I think just to be like hi like I'm a foreigner coming to your country can I join your club and they were like yeah yeah come through they were very very lovely very welcoming and so that was kind of my first means of making friends when I went to Jordan. So it was with like the karate people initially and the fencing people, so like sports. And then I used some of the connections. So from previous students I had gone to Jordan, they might have made friends in Jordan. And so they gave us their contact details. So when we got to Jordan, we messaged these like, uh, I think it was like two girls who had done like a language exchange with um, some of the other Oxford students. And then we basically became friends with them. Um, and then through them, you meet other people. 
even like our teachers would like introduce us to like some of their friends and stuff so you really like start to like build a network um which is so 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 helpful but yeah that's that's basically how I how I met people I remember like from karate I learned a lot more body parts like in, in Arabic because they'll be like move your left foot in this way um and finally, so a lot of the, the vocab, like in karate, like the moves and stuff, have Japanese names. So initially when I went, so the, the karate, the sensei, he could actually speak English because he'd lived in the UK um, for like five years at one point, something like that. Um, so when he, when I joined, like he would speak to me in English, but the class itself was in Arabic because the rest of the class couldn't, couldn't speak English. So, um, and I was like, yeah, that's fine. Like I need to learn. And I remember, like, I have no idea really what he was saying at first, but I understood him because he was using some of the karate, the Japanese terms. So I don't speak Japanese, but I know the Japanese names of certain karate moves. So it was like, we're not communicating in Arabic or English, we're communicating in Japanese, which to me was mad. And it wasn't the language I set out to learn. And then eventually, like, you start working out, okay, like, they've said this word 10 times, that must mean left. Okay, they've said this word, that must mean foot. Yeah, so I learned a lot of, like, body-related vocab from doing those sports which is very helpful very helpful and a bit niche at times but no really really good sick and so I think you touched on a little bit at the beginning but like would you say you experienced culture shock or I mean how different was the culture there to what you are used to or what you imagined I I don't I don't even think I, I really knew what to expect I think Jordan was one of it was a place that like it's kind of hard to box into a term or behavior I guess I had like I knew Arab people in the UK and I think but a lot of my friends were like North Africans so I didn't even really have like an understanding of like what like Middle Eastern Arabs were like and I remember we had like a really short training session before we went to Jordan like the uni organized um but a lot of that session was about like being safe and being aware that like Jordan was a country that was surrounded by war-torn countries or political instability. And so that was a kind of thing that I was prepared for. They spoke a bit about culture, but again, as, as a Muslim, um, what they spoke about was more like, oh, this is how Muslims behave. And in the West, we're used to women wearing vests, but that is disrespectful out there. And that was a kind of training we had and what we were taught to expect culturally. And I kind of expected that because, like, I am Muslim, so I, I, I get I get what is um, you know respect, respectable and all that stuff. I would say that Jordan, they're, they're very family orientated. Orientated, there we go, which is obviously lovely, nice. But they were very, very welcoming, very, very welcoming. Uh, like, if, as soon as they they know that you're not from there, you don't know much about Jordan, they are welcoming you into their houses, um, and that was so nice because it meant that like if you didn't understand anything like like you were welcome to ask them and they were they were more than happy to teach you so I wouldn't say that I experienced a culture shock not really I had a rough idea of what to expect I guess what I had to relearn was like like things to do for fun obviously I had like karate and the sports kind of stuff but like general things like I didn't know how to like just have a, a chill day like where was the places to go what would Jordanians do for fun um, and I remember asking my teacher and she was like um you know we just hang with our friends like they they go to malls a lot um so we were like okay we need to go and find Jordanian people that want to go to malls with us but yeah like I also I feel like it was such a, a long time ago now that probably if you asked me this in 2017 I would have been able to give you a much clearer answer I think as well like eventually you start to adjust to things so it doesn't seem as shocking as it might have initially I think because I lived in the capital so Amman is the capital of, of Jordan and so it's quite a built-up area 
it, it's not like I guess people would ignorant people might imagine the Middle East as being somewhere that's not particularly developed but like that wasn't really the case in Amman like you had pretty much everything that you needed the buildings were just yellow like <laughs> that's the only difference to be there weren't as many skyscrapers I don't think in fact there weren't really there was like a couple of like really tall buildings but it didn't look like London per se but yeah you did have malls and stuff and yeah they had cinemas and all that so yeah in that respect it wasn't I guess if I wasn't Muslim I would have found it I would have seen a, a bigger culture shock 100% it's kind of what you said about like PDA and stuff like that you you don't no no that's you don't do that in Jordan you don't do that and I think that the girls that I went with there were guys too but I lived with um girls who weren't Muslim um and he would every time we'd go out they would ask me like is my outfit appropriate as if like I was like I understood Jordan to tea and it was that I guess the the Muslimic knowledge right so I'd be like oh like maybe have a slightly longer sleeve or yeah things like that or you know maybe wear a skirt I don't know different things like that um and you know teaching them that you probably shouldn't just go and hug a strange man or like touch a strange man like that's not gonna run and also managing the Jordanian expectations of us kind of sometimes I think what they expect is that oh you're from the west you're a lot more kind of freer and I don't know have used the morals and you could see that even some of like the, the teenage guys like like the ones that I would train with you could see that they had that kind of um mentality towards you or they would expect like they would just start talking to you about any kind of subject that you know they wouldn't speak to the girls like from their country the same way um but yeah apart from that I would say it was quite it wasn't particularly shocking I wanted to ask you, like, kind of change the topic slightly a little bit. Actually, before I do that, I wanted to ask, because obviously you studied, did they have societies and stuff at the uni? Where I went, it wasn't a university, it was a, a language institute. So it was literally like, go and study Arabic there. <laughs> you have certain classes. Also, the, the, um, Oxford had a link with this institute. So they had, like, made a programme together for, like, the Oxford students. But there were other, um, like, like, anyone can kind of sign up to do a course there. So, and like other universities that have a link with this institute were there. So we met people from like America who had come here to study other UK students and stuff. So what they did have were they had like clubs, like I guess almost like an after school club kind of thing. So you could sign up to um, like different classes. So I did like a calligraphy class. Um, I did a Tajweed class because I wanted to like learn how to like read Quran from like an Arab person, like who couldn't speak English I thought that'd be quite interesting um and I think I did another club but yeah they had like quite a few things on like afterwards uh after like the school they had finished um okay cool now I want to switch topic a little bit because obviously like in terms of the actual native population I basically I saw this TikTok video a time ago and it was like the people like the dancing like Debka like the traditional like dance over and they were black and I was like okay well so there's actually there's black Jordanians so my question is like, mm. I guess how did you, um, what was your experience like seeing other, if there were any other black, mm-hmm. um, like gay people, and I guess as well, how did you? Because obviously I know there's a lot of African immigrants and a lot of Middle Eastern yeah. people. How did, how were they treated like there, and what was your experience like into all interactions with them, if you had any? In fairness, I did. I don't remember seeing very many black people that weren't mm-hmm. like foreign foreigners like from the west um there i remember there was actually like one um teacher at the arabic institute who was like dark skinned and i believe she was from sudan in fact no i know she was from sudan um but i didn't see very many like like for example in in other like in like the uae you'll see like a lot of like 
maybe African people from Africa that have come over and are working there. There wasn't so much of that in Jordan. In Jordan, you find there's a lot of um, I think it's like Filipino like people that will come work. So like in like the spas and stuff and all that, and like the beauty places were run by Filipino people. Like a lot of the cleaners were Filipino, but I didn't come across many um, black people. I, I, when you kind of go outside. Oh, man, I think like the darkest skinned people I remember seeing were like Bedouins. Oh, okay. Um, so and yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah. So they like we must have gone to like it was like down south. There's a place called Wadi Rum. Um, if you ever get a chance to go there, I recommend. Um, it's basically like a, there's a look. It's amazing. You know, like how I don't know people always like, oh, stars are amazing, and uh, you don't see them in London. And I was like, oh, it's overrated. When I went to this place and I actually saw what people meant by stars, I was like, wow. It was like around you is like pitch black. You can barely see people, and then you look up and the sky is lit. It's like lit up with all these stars, and it was it was incredible to see. And then I understood what light pollution was. <laughs> So I was like, okay, because yeah, we don't see this in London. So yeah, there. I'm even going off topic, aren't I? No, I can't keep going. It's interesting. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, what else do I want to Yes. So um, that place is amazing, and the the Bedouins are the people that actually take you around the desert. They take you down these mad sand dunes. Um, they like cook for you as well. How would you? I guess for people who are not like I don't know Muslim or Arabic. I don't know, have a grasp of like Arabic uh, culture or Arab culture. What, mm-hmm. How would you describe Bedouin? They are, I believe they're like nomadic, as in, yeah, so they they have a tribe and they, yeah, I think they're like nomadic and like they, they live in the desert and they, um, how do I describe them? <laughs> That's what, I've never been made, asked to describe Bedouins. Yeah, I would I would say they're like nomadic tribes people um these particular ones that we met I think they're more kind of fixed in terms of where they reside because they would run this like this area that we camped out in and stuff but yeah they live in the desert so they they have like uh, a lot of knowledge about it and that's a really tough question to ask. no I think you explained they had camels yeah but had many camels the skin color they're quite like darker than the average yeah they they were quite dark darker skin like I, I feel like we were like a similar shade oh, wow. um, in colour. Um, they varied a lot, but like the ones that I'd met um, were, yeah, a lot more darker skin than I'd expected. They're the ones that you see on TikTok with like the robes, okay. <laughs> like the flowing robes and they have like their head wrapped up. That would probably sound like the most ignorant way to um, describe no, no, it. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. Like, it you painted a good picture of them. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll take that. I'm joking. Um, but yeah, definitely. If you have a chance, I would recommend. Yeah, no, I've I've always wanted to go to Jordan. Looks and okay, this is a question for you. I guess it's like when you were when you were there. Obviously, you were in, in Amman. Did you get to travel around other places? Because Petra like looks amazing. I went to Petra three times, not on purpose. <laughs> um, the first time I went um, it was because the institute. I was like, they used to put on different like excursions. I think like once a term. And so the one I went on with them, you went. It was like a, t- a three day trip so you went down south you went to um petra did a walking tour and then you went to wadi which i previously spoke about and um uh is it somewhere else maybe and yeah you you see what the desert life was like and you camp out in the desert and then yeah then you, you go back so i did that and then some of my friends came to visit me in jordan and i took them obviously they had to see petra um so i took them there 
of course. And then my parents and my younger sister came to visit. So mm. I went down there with them as well. So I went there and then like on the on the weekends, we would always try to go and do something or go to a new place. So we would um like jump on a bus and ride it to the end of and stop and check out that place, whatever place was at the end of the bus. Um, or try and see different cities that weren't too far. And I think I remember um I really wanted to see Lebanon and that was like one of my regrets. I didn't get to hop over to Lebanon at that time when things were like cool. Um, but I did manage to go to Egypt and I went to Egypt for, it was like an hour away by plane. And I went there for I think 10 days. I was in Cairo, but then I also went to Alexandria and went down south to Luxor and Aswan. So I tried to see as much as I could. But yeah, 10 days isn't very long to try and see like four different places, like to properly see them. So yeah, somewhere like Egypt where there's, there's so much so much to see so much history as well actually funny like i remember walking down the streets in cairo and it's like a build up that was like um hey hey beyonce beyonce <laughs> that was like first i was like oh that's a compliment then i realized like no like you're just black like you're a black woman and she's how do i take this now me beyonce okay and i was like no like we don't even look even remotely similar oh um, my days you know what it's so funny like i remember um so i went um Morocco with family holiday like a couple like a couple years ago but i was watching yeah. like a vlog before i went yeah and the girl like the same thing exact same thing happened like she was walking down the street and someone was like beyonce beyonce so it's like arabs are crazy because they'll just like those for me they'll like say they said random countries so they're like sudan uh, no so way and then when I said Somali then I turn around okay but like, they would say random stuff to get people to get attention in it but Beyonce that's something that they keep they, will, they love using that one they love that and <laughs> what I found so funny was um when you're like when you'd go in the cab and stuff the cab driver would always like give you a mini interview and try and find out where you're from and I would always say like UK I went with one other black girl um, who, who wasn't Muslim and so we'd always say like you, you're from, you're from the UK and they'd be like no 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 where are you really from yeah because they um, they're like you're black, like, you can't be from the UK. And I'd be like, oh, like, Jamaica. And they'd be like, Jamaica? Oh, Bob Marley, Bob Marley. And it was like, it's so mad that, like, they know who Bob Marley is. I don't think of, like, Arabs yeah, listening to, like... Yeah, cool. of course, yeah. And I was just like, okay, cool. And I'm like, yeah, we love Bob Marley, we love Bob Marley. Um, it was quite funny. <laughs> but you know that happens in a lot of, like... It, I have experiences all in terms of, like, in countries that are, like, that don't have a lot of, like, diversity or have a lot of black mm. people or Arab people, blah, blah. They mm. when you say like okay so when I was in Spain and in Geneva as well when I would be like oh I'm from the UK it'd be like what oh and then yeah. like, I I know they're searching for something else I know they want me to be like exactly they're like mm. they're waiting for me to yeah, be like but exactly. like it's the same thing yeah. in Spain for real they're like what they were confused <laughs> they Mad. Like, oh wow like so it's 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 like a yeah it's a common experience for black people it's true, it's true. if you leave your home country when you go to other countries they'll be very confused when you say. I'm, I'm, I'm from England. Yeah, it's honestly like it's just it's funny, but you know exactly what they want to hear. Like, what black country are you from? <laughs> um, That's jokes. But um, I want to ask, how easy was it then getting around? So you went to like obviously Petra and other places. Was it did it have did it have good bus networks or train networks in in Jordan? Coach was um the the way around. Sometimes if you could find a good deal, like you could get a taxi driver to take you down there like you pay them like a set price like you would have agreed before they take you um around but yeah like it was it was pretty um easy actually getting around um if you wanted to go to another city there was like a coach uh, like a, a bus 
coach station and you could go and like book um your tickets from there um and that was great because it, it meant that like you didn't feel like very limited especially like when you come from somewhere like London where like you hop on the underground and you get to the places or like whatever it is like you've got the the railways to get you around so um yeah like it was it was quite quite easy um getting to different cities and places um yeah although coach obviously takes longer than maybe like a train was but yeah no that was that was completely fine um yeah in terms of getting around had no no issue with that yeah oh that's that's great then i mean okay and just to because I, I i wanted to ask you this before but i was going to wait a bit but i guess so when you from the beginning of the time there to the end of the time there how do you feel like your language skills changed or improved or oh I wish I had like recorded myself speaking Arabic when I first went out versus coming back because it's a different person. Um, I feel like th- like confidence is, um, as you'll know, as a language learner, like confidence is a mad, mad thing. If you're not confident when you have to learn a new language, like, or if your confidence gets crushed when you're learning a new language, like that just, that, that um, it's kind of difficult to then build back up so that you pick up the language better or that you are willing to like taking new stuff and and, like not being scared to get things wrong that was a big thing for me to overcome Uh, I hate getting things wrong Uh, it's even something I'm working on now like if I know that I'm gonna make a mistake I don't don't even want to learn (laughs) um so when I first went out there so when we started a French and Arabic course I said that Arabic was from beginners so you're literally taught from the alphabet so the first year of the Arabic course was learning how to read Arabic and then picking up vocab and then you start learning modern standard Arabic which is what you find in like newspapers what they speak on the news um in like some textbooks but no one speaks it. People speak their dialects. Um, then you've got like classical Arabic, which can kind of be an umbrella term for like Quranic Arabic or even like some of the, the literature from like way back when. Um, again, no one speaks that. So we went to Jordan only knowing very, very basic modern standard Arabic. So no one speaks it. You go and you start speaking it and people are laughing at you. It's like so for them, it's kind of like hearing someone speak, I don't know, like in like Shakespeare's poetry like that kind of vibe like it's no one speaks that it's very 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 formal and like weird so we had to essentially like learn a new language and that's quite daunting um because you feel like you're just kind of being thrown in the deep end which you are and I remember like we would always like travel around together because we were too scared to go places where we might not have each other to like all chip in and help finish each other's sentences and I had to go to karate one evening and I'd normally take one of my flatmates with me um, but they were all busy and I really wanted to go training and I was like oh, I'm gonna have to get into the cab by myself I practiced with my teacher um like what words to say to the cab driver and I remember like that was like a, a key turning point for me when I managed to like have a successful cab ride um where I managed to like maintain a very basic conversation with the cab driver but one where I felt like he understood me I understood him and I was like okay cool like I'm learning Arabic I'm, I'm <laughs> actually learning this um and so that was like a big confidence boost and by the end of my time um obviously you've had loads of experiences then you've learned you've made loads of mistakes you've picked up loads more vocab and stuff and by the end like getting to a cab was that was normal that, that that was nothing and I couldn't believe like how how different I I was like I was helping other people communicate with cabs like that was that was strange and yeah like I I felt no kind of way like going to a new situation having to like meet new Jordanians I was I was okay I was good but yeah when I came back now 
Where did the Arabic go? <laughs> Where has it gone, please? No, I'm sure it's somewhere in the back of my head somewhere, but... You know, that's, that's yeah. like, okay, so I finished like two weeks ago, it, or two, three weeks ago. Oh, congratulations. Thank you, thank you. But like, that's something I'm proper worried about, like, well, my, my French is Spanish, I don't want it to go, like, I want to like, how do you maintain it, or how, I don't know, what kind of tips do you, do you get from people? I think you'll have an easier time with European languages, so I know that with my French, like, I'll I'll watch any kind of French series I can on Netflix and I'll put on French subtitles. I kind of go from there. And the point that I know that I'm good is like, you know, like sometimes if you're getting ready, if you're watching something that's not in English, you have to like keep looking at the screen because you need to be able to read subtitles. I'm now okay with like looking away from the screen and just listening because I'm I know that I'm understanding it and I'm good. So on that in that sense, I know that like my understanding of French is still there. I think the trouble I would have now is like getting my words together to like form a sentence (laughs) um like ones that aren't at you know very basic sentences I think that would be the real test but I think yeah with European languages I think it's slightly easier because like there are more Europeans around yeah more like as well yeah exactly and I think it's easier to find people to speak it to I think for me my challenge now is maintaining the Arabic and specifically Jordanian Arabic because there's loads of like Egyptian Arabic resources out there but Jordanian Arabic is slightly niche um, and what I would like to find and if anyone's listening that is Jordanian <laughs> or even Lebanese and wants to practice Arabic with me shout me but yeah I'm not joking no I'm being fully serious like shout me um that's what I kind of I want now because yeah it's a shame to like study something for three four years and then it's it goes after all that struggle nah 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 nah. but yeah definitely keep keep listening to different resources keep reading um like any kind of news ways that you absorb the new absorb but any kind of ways that you intake news find that in like the languages that you're trying to keep so like for example like I will follow like Al Jazeera France. So instead of reading the English, I'll, I'll go to the French page, like on Instagram, whatever, and, and read stories that way. And I think that keeps you in touch with kind of what's going on in, in those countries and just upkeeping the language as best as you can. It's hard though. Hard. <laughs> I know, I know. It seems hard, but I feel like if you if you probably dedicate time to anything, you, you get the results that you want. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. Okay, Carl, I wanted to go back a tiny bit because um, I wanted to ask you a couple more questions because I know I've taken up a lot of your time already, but I've, Don't I've been enjoying it. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so obviously my experience of like Middle East is just kind of like Saudi focused, but I guess there may be similarities and stuff. So when I went to Saudi, I remember seeing like a lot of beggars and like homelessness and that kind of stuff. They don't have the same kind of like benefit system that we have here. And so when you were in Jordan, was that something that that you notice in terms of like poverty being really I guess extreme there or like how was it like or I don't know Mm, um I I think I had like when um I first went out there I told you I was living that that kind of expert area and because of that you I think initially I didn't see the more kind of poorer areas um of of the capital and so I wasn't exposed to that but when you go places like downtown that's when you'll see more kind of homeless people more beggars on the streets I can't say that like it was anything particularly extreme but I don't know also if it's like because it's been a while since I was there and maybe I've like selectively um forgotten 
um that kind of thing but I like I do remember like definitely when you go downtown you'll see you'll see people begging on the street um it kind of gave me like Oxford Street kind of wow am I kind of but no you know like when you go to Oxford Street like it's very busy yeah exactly everyone's like doing their shopping and stuff but you have like homeless people on the street and maybe they're holding their hands out and asking for any like help and stuff that was the kind of that's kind of what I remember from going downtown but no I don't remember anything that was particularly like uh like I don't know memorable in that sense I remember in Oxford there was a lot of homelessness and that shocked me uh but I don't yes as in this place the city that that the city yeah there was a lot like that was quite a big issue and it's it's mad because the uni is is rich (laughs) and he's got yeah but you I think that's you find that like in areas that like are very well up like right next to it is is an area that's like suffering financially and and in deep poverty you know what's mad is I remember like when I was in Geneva like they have I think in Switzerland in general they have a like a law against like begging and like so they kind of criminalize it in a way so like I didn't really see much but I remember the couple times I did see it like Mm. other people are beggars it really stood out like it it kind of shocked me because obviously Geneva is an extremely wealthy city Mm. they have like you know all these international organizations there like very wealthy people that their minimum wage is like 20 pound like I'm talking about like they they live a different lifestyle there so when you see people begging and you see like it really like shocks you in a way it's like Mm. damn like there's there's people and it, obviously you're going to other like countries like and that obviously like we're not extremely rich people so like no, we are no. we understand the struggles in terms of our own backgrounds and whatnot so when you go yeah. abroad you kind of forget like oh not you forget but you you're so invested in like learning da, 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 da. Mm. when you see people who are suffering it's kind of like a, a shock in a way like rather than people really suffering in these places it's yeah. like it's sad to see but it's like a kind of like not like a kind of like the, that fairy tale image that's being shown mm. it's kind of like not shy but it's kind of like there's a scratch on it a little bit yeah I think also like the the people that I was meeting initially like, even the ones that were at the fencing and, and the karate club um which I didn't realize when I initially met them like these are like more kind of middle class people the ones yeah. that you know can pay a certain amount a month to have their children training at these centers mm. um and so like when you see their houses you're like oh this is a nice house and then you start to think this is this is normal mm. and it wasn't until like um you know later on where like you you meet like regular kind of working class people even lower than that I don't yeah um that you realize um actually like that is not what I saw before was not the standard way of living and uh that I think yeah was a bit surprising to me but also made sense like even in the UK like there are there are loads of families that like can't afford to send their their kids to do like Mm -hmm. sports at a club you know like Mm -hmm. that makes complete sense true okay Carl so my next question was kind of like Related to just because at the beginning you mentioned that like, accommodation and that kind of stuff, did you have to save a lot of money? Because obviously, you're in normally, obviously, when you go to Europe and stuff, you have like the whole Erasmus grad and you get support, financial support from like the EU and stuff. And, and uni, I don't know, probably give you money and stuff. What kind of financial support did you have there? Because Jordan's not in Europe, you mm-hmm. don't get the Erasmus grant. Mm-hmm. What was available? Um, so in Oxford you've got a college system so depending on what college you have um that's kind of like what financial help is um available to you mm-hmm. and then the uni has their own kind of financial system but I was really fortunate to be on a part scholarship so I had like a set amount of money that would come in per term I, I'll just say I don't care um so with that scholarship you got I want to say I think it's four thousand 
500 pounds a year That's and good. they would break that up into installments no no it was it was amazing they break that up into installments um and so you could use that like towards maybe your living costs and stuff so when I was abroad that's that's why I did um I also had um I think like government bursary and the the loan so and my money went a lot further in Jordan than it would over here like when it came to accommodation stuff when I learned like where was good to live and what I should have been paying for accommodation and then so when I eventually had to go to Paris uh, I think I'd used up <laughs> all of like the money <laughs> that I'd had from like my the scholarship money and like the government bursary yeah. I'd used it up and I was like mm, I might be able to feed myself but I don't think I can one pay for the language course and two pay for accommodation I think maybe I had a, a bit of savings left and I had to apply to my college for like a, they used to do travel grants so they basically paid for my my language course which was amazing um they paid for the language course in Paris and I was there for like a month and a bit so that was kind of how I financed myself I didn't have a job so Oxford don't like allow you to work oh, whilst yeah. you're studying um so that I, I couldn't like work and yeah pay my way also in Jordan like you can't like legally you're not allowed to work unless you've got like a, a worker's permit so I didn't have a job there either so literally I was very dependent on what was given to me yeah which was like yeah the scholarships and the, the funding that way but yeah how did you find that like so I think that can be a big worry for people yeah especially coming from like obviously a worker background and uh, mm. money I feel like money is, is always like a factor when it comes to like anxiety it can be really anxiety inducing basically so when I was abroad, mm. it was something that I was like very conscious of. Like I started, um, I got a summer, t- I got a summer job the summer before I was leaving, um, just yeah. to save up money, and that was like, nice. I, was, I worked in Leon at the restaurant. It was, I'm not gonna lie, I, I hate it. I don't like working. I'm oh. honest. <laughs> I hear that. <laughs> I don't enjoy. I don't enjoy employment. Employment um, is is shackles. Yeah, it's, shackles really. I'm not trying. It's yeah. not. If I could just like live with someone. If I could just be rich, that'd be lovely. But obviously, that'd be great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I saved up a bit of money. I'm not gonna lie, mm-hmm. I'm horrible at saving. So I would be like, save, I would work in, save, save, and then I'd be like, oh, let me buy this. So yeah, um, let's just say, let's. I, I would say maybe like I saved like one k, if that. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. Which is decent, and like the um, has like a bursary that they give out every like year for like people of a certain income, um, household income, whatever. So I kind of use that like that was so they give it in like. February and May so I kept that money and I just added it to the savings and then obviously I, I took out a maintenance loan and then I took out yeah and then they gave like the grant so because Switzerland is not part of the EU they have like another kind of um, financial thingy to help students so it was kind of I'm not gonna it was a little bit more because Switzerland is expensive like to live in in general like it's really expensive so it was a little bit more but I kind of used that and like at points like I had to be, basically I had to be very like smart in terms of what I was spending like very 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 rarely ate out like that was I can probably maybe like twice three times the whole time see you're smart you're smart because I made that big mistake of eating out too much <laughs> yeah no there's no need for it and also because I'm like I'm like I said seven times now, I'm lactose intolerant it's like a first okay. size treat now <laughs> but I'm lactose intolerant and I'm mm-hmm. very intolerant as well so there's a lot of things mm-hmm. I can't actually eat and sure. also in yeah. Switzerland like Obviously, um, restaurants, all the restaurants are halal as well. So, like, I would prefer just to eat vegetarian food anyway. There's not that much option, so I just prefer cooking for myself. So, I would basically do, like, big shops um, to minimise spending and whatnot. I wouldn't eat out that often. Uber Eats, 
maybe twice when I was extremely, extremely lazy. And otherwise, that. like, I would basically be spending, a, like, really, really smartly. But it, it did get to a point where, like, I had kind of run out of money and, like, and I had to basically be like, listen, university, I need, I need support. So Help. They, kind of, they, gave, they gave me, like, um, some of the money that was supposed to give to me in Madrid. They kind of, like, brought, gave it to me a little bit earlier just so I could cover some rent and whatnot. It was hard, oh, I'm nice. not going to lie. It was, it was hard, like, it having, is hard. having to I think finance for... yourself. Yeah. For me, the the hardest time was when I first went out there. I never, I didn't, I was quite good in like my first year of uni with like working out how much money I knew was coming in and how I was going to um, use it. And now when I was in Jordan, I had to take into account like um, obviously changing the money over and stuff. And I didn't open a bank account there because it was just going to be a lot more hassle. Um, but I remember that first term, we were gassed like the food the food was one of my favorite parts about Jordan um and so we were like always eating out and then the money started to run out and we um so the only time I came back home on my year abroad was like the December holiday um so it, it was maybe like November time and I think I had maybe like two three weeks before I'd have to go back home flights were all booked and stuff and flights obviously took a large chunk out of um the money that I had um to spend and um me and my flatmate realized that like we didn't have a lot of money left we had enough to pay the rent for that for the end of that month and um we had we had to like uh, find a few coins to pay for the taxi to get to like um our classes every day but after uh, like after that like we, we we had maybe like five you know to get us through three weeks and we were like what have we done and I was like I have too much pride to go and ask my parents I can't do that so I remember like we had I had a stack of potatoes from the last shop that we had done and I was like I counted potatoes like okay cool I have enough to get me to maybe like the last week uh and so literally and this is probably one of the lowest points of my life I would cook one potato a day (laughs) and um honestly (laughs) but I think potatoes good now I would have one potato a day. One one potato a day to get me. Nothing on it, just potato. No, sometimes we could sprinkle a little bit of salt. <laughs> oh my goodness. I didn't we didn't have anything else to like that was it. My friend had like a, a bag, you could buy like um buy like a bag of like bread, like it's like flat bread. And so that was hers. And so she had like the almost like the exact same amount of bread as I had the same amount of potatoes. So she would have her bread and she I remember like she would like try and warm it up and put like some mayonnaise on it. The mayonnaise had gone off. The oh bread, God. like she put it in the toaster for too long, so it was hard. My potato, some of them were large, some were very small, and I would be trying to make chips and trying to make it look nice, but it was like we were really, really struggling. How was that feeling at all? It wasn't. It wasn't. It was just about sustenance, like as in <laughs> it was. We we were like scraping through our bags, like shaking our bags out to find any like coins that we could get. Um, there was like a really like cheap sandwich shop next to um our institute, um where they would sell like these like mini baguettes for like twenty five kilos, which is like I don't know like twenty five p maybe kind of like a quarter basically, and um so we managed to like find like loads of coins like in the bottom of our purse and stuff that we would never normally um that we hadn't really paid attention to before, and now these coins were like treasure, so it meant that when we would go to the institute for lunch, like we would like bust out a little quarter and and um get a sandwich. But that was like every couple of days. It was very desperate, desperate times. Um, that is very much struggle. Yeah. And believe the next term, 
I learned to manage my money. I learned that no, to leave. I knew how to cook. That's that was the maddest part. I I knew how to cook. I was just being lazy. The next term, yeah, I I stuck to my budget. I even had enough left over. Like it, it was mad. That's good though. At least you you learned in it. The ghetto. It was it was the ghetto. Like as in I, <laughs> I should never have let it get to that point. But yeah, definitely big 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 learning point. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, for me because I couldn't even do that because what. Uh, Cheeky little McDonald's cost me 14 um, francs. That's like at least, what, 10 pounds? Mm. So it's, I'm talking about filler fish meal. Wow. So, okay. Okay, you can understand from there. That's the reason why I had to actually cook for myself. Yes. That's why, okay, because when you said that this like minimum wage was like 20, what, 20 euros, I was mm. thinking, oh, wow. But then I deep that like, that's in order to survive. <laughs> because it's expensive there. It's very expensive. Mm. So you live in your land. Of course. I wanted to ask, like, in terms of, you mentioned, like, the family and whatnot, but, like, what other, and the university, it's all the, the, the language centre itself, but what kind of, what systems did you have in place, or, like, did you, like, in terms of, like, let's say mental health and stuff, was it something you were, like, you know, thinking about beforehand? Um, I think, um, I didn't really think of, like, support systems as a thing that I would need when I went out there. Um, it's probably, like, one of the last things I thought of. When you're out there and you kind of feel a bit isolated, that's when you deep that, like, oh okay now now what um but I had an amazing friendship group back at home at uni who they were like make sure that they would I think they were low-key worried that like I was in the Middle East <laughs> and they're like Ooh. um but they would you know we would do video calls like every few days some like one of my friends would literally try and call me every day um and I had friends that were literally like messaging like there was like a two-hour time difference I think was it two hours something like that so it wasn't it wasn't bad um in terms of that but I yeah I had really good friends who were just very on it when it came to communicating with me and making sure I was okay um and and that was really nice and they would keep me up to date with everything that's going on back home and like same with like my family my siblings like we would speak quite often and so that I think is quite important to have um and just people that like obviously you have your flatmates but you see them every day you spend we used to spend so much time together me and my flatmates because you just become so reliant on each other um, especially when you first go out there and so eventually like you get sick of these people <laughs> so it's nice to have people that aren't even in the country that you can speak to that you can even vent to if you need to and that was what I had but I'd, I'd say like I mentioned before what the institute that I was at was probably like a really key support system for me um, and then one of my tutors back in back in the UK um, would literally email like every couple of weeks with like updates about how things were going back at uni and checking on making sure that I was okay which I really appreciated and it's nice to think that people are thinking of you and yeah just want to make sure that you're okay but yeah when it comes to like mental health and stuff like you have to make sure that you're doing things where you can like switch off and so that was one thing that I forgot to mention before is when you go somewhere where you literally don't know the language. Like I would try to like watch TV as a way of switching off. That was that was when I'm at home, that's what I do. And you turn on the TV and there's Arabic. You go out onto the streets, people speak Arabic to you. And I just felt like I can't get away, like <laughs> I don't understand. I'm constantly being surrounded by this language that I don't know yet. Like, oh when when is it gonna sink in? And Firstly, VPN is your best friend. That is how you get to watch <laughs> the shows back home and stuff. But yeah, I, at one point it, it was quite overwhelming. So yeah, making sure that you have those those home links if if you need that is is really key. But yeah, what about you? What what were your support systems? Um, I think for me, I was super conscious about like mental health before I was going because like I had read like a review beforehand. It was like 
if your mental health is like not the greatest before going, it's gonna get even worse when you're there because obviously like you're away from home around different people, you know, there's so much you're out of your comfort zone, there's a lot of like anxiety inducing things that can happen. Especially even just learning the language, like like you said, like helping and making mistakes and pushing yourself to speak with people even though it's uncomfortable, even though you're nervous about it, like that was just a constant experience. you're constantly out of your comfort zone basically. So I was really aware of it before going to like that's why I was really focused on sports because I know for me sports is something that's really important for like my mental health. That's why I was like as soon as I got to Geneva as well, I signed up to the sports clubs and stuff. So I was playing like pictures like I signed up to football, I signed up to basketball and then I had to because so obviously I do running sometimes. Um I tried to start running there, like I probably did it twice because <laughs> I was it was I was just so nervous in it, like in a new environment and whatnot. But I basically tried to do as much sports as I could. That really helped a lot, especially number one, meeting people, and because when you're in these places, you're meeting people who's, who are speaking French in, in Geneva, for example. Um, and especially a lot, of, for example, with the football is girls only, so it's like really comfortable, like really friendly people. And then obviously, like in terms of like outside of sports, like journaling, calling friends and family often is really important as well uh, and as well like what I noticed is like it's really easy just to stay in your room when you're bored like just to stay in your yeah. room and do even though I'm sure mm. people are like what do you mean but like it's really easy just to just to be by yourself put Netflix on yeah. and chill you get tired you just chill you're on your laptop like yeah because it's really draining like or it can be draining sometimes constantly like you know yeah putting stuff out there a lot mm, you, like yeah literally I relate to that so much I remember like having to to force myself and some of my flatmates to just just go downtown but like I'm not buy anything but let's just literally go outside because it was getting to that point it was like one week where like we were indoors for most of the time if we didn't have to go to our language institute we probably would have just been indoors like the whole time and and it was like let's not waste this time we're never going to have an opportunity to do this again probably um so yeah you do have to force yourself which is hard 100%. I'm a fan of of the treat yourself mentality, right? Mm. And sometimes it gets out of hand. But in general, I like to think it's quite helpful for my mental health. Mm. Um, and so, like for me, I love like any kind of pampering. So one of my flatmates and I, we both kind of love that stuff. And we would like maybe like once a month, maybe twice a month, if we had enough cash left over, we would um, try go to a spa or like get our nails done or something. And that was really good because it meant that one we were like meeting. We got to meet other Jordanians um, and we met some of like the Filipino um, community and they spoke English. Um, and so it was just nice speaking to other people who had um, come to Jordan like us um, in different circumstances and hearing their stories. And it was like a really amazing way to just relax and have some downtime. So, yeah, that's very important. Like whatever way you like to have downtime and take care of yourself um that's what you should also try and gain 100 percent. that's that's perfect advice because i mean it's so like i was saying like it's, it's really easy to do the complete opposite but what another mm-hmm. thing i found helpful was like i wrote like out a list of like different let's say tourist attractions different like coffee shops different bookshops different uh like mm-hmm. i know um uh random places i want to go to because i made a list of it and like that would and i would uh, basically try to tick off places as i went to it so Again, that's another way of like forcing yourself to leave leave the house, go outside yeah. the public again. You know, practice the language as well, uh, meet people, and, and just have actual interactions. Because you can you can go days, literally like especially when it's like um if you don't go home back for the holidays and stuff, and your friends are gone back home mm-hmm. as well, it can be like you'll have a week of just not having any social interactions. So it's important like to make sure to go out of your comfort zone to leave the house and meet people and whatnot. Um, but just the last question to finish off. 
because it's been such an interesting conversation. Um, and I think it's these, you did say this in, 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 you briefly said this, but I want to ask, what, what's your favorite thing about Jordan? If you have to like give, I don't know, one or two things, what's Food. that? Okay. Food. <laughs> <laughs> um, food. Yeah. I, I like to be fed. And I felt like Jordanians like to feed. So it was like the perfect partnership. And I love trying new food. It was great. But I think also, um, which kind of links is, is the people there. Like, I think it's just within their culture to be really welcoming. Um, and so part of that is feeding. Um, but yeah, honestly, the people I felt just had amazing, like, they're just amazing people and it was it was great like just speaking to them and they loved that like you were there to like learn about them and learn their language and so like I met some some really really good people and yeah that was that was incredible for me you know you have loads of loads of situations happen on your year abroad like loads of funny little things will happen embarrassing stuff even I I had I had a bunch of embarrassing stories um that happened but I'd say that like it always ended with like me meeting an amazing person, uh, someone that definitely had an impact on me. And yeah, so food and the people. That's beautiful. That's a lovely way to, to end it off. I've enjoyed it very, very much. Lee. Thanks for listening, guys. We've reached the end of the episode. Please remember to give feedback, reviews on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, basically all the podcast places. And let me know if there's any questions you'd like answered from the guests or from myself. We're actually heading towards the end of the first season. We've had like around eight episodes so far, which is really exciting, especially considering how nervous I was when I first started. There's one more episode to go and then I have a surprise season finale type episode. But yeah, I know it's been a difficult year for a lot of people and I hope these podcasts have been insightful and interesting and have given you a nice break from the nonsense that's going on this year. But yeah, join me in the next episode where we'll be hearing a new story from a new guest in a new place.